You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Morning, I invite you to find the Word of God, your copy of God's Word, and open again to the book of Philippians chapter 4. So good to be with you this morning to worship again um, together. It's wonderful. Philippians 4, we're going to be in that passage again, verses 10 through 20, in particular today, verse 10, and then we're going to skip what we did last week and then look at 14 through 18. While you're on your way there, I do have one picture from Keegan. Keegan, you here today? <laughs> that's what you gave me last week. Thank you for that. Keegan's, that's, that's his own hand. I don't know if it's that big up there, but it's, it's big. And I love the names you've got listed there. And last week we looked at being content in any and every circumstance, abounding and in little. And uh, here, I know that's Keegan's hand, but Keegan, it's a great drawing of really God over his hand, right? Our God is a, is a refuge and an ever-present uh, ever present in our troubles, that's uh, idea as well, his hand over us. So praise the Lord for his hand in our lives in each and every circumstance. Thanks, Keegan, for your picture for that. Well, hopefully you found your way to Philippians 4, verse 10. I'm going to read it all through verse 20, and, and again, then we'll, we'll look into it a little deeper, certain parts here. Here's God's word. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length... You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Just join with me again in prayer. Father, we just come to you once again just, just asking that... The work of preaching your word, hearing your word, is a work done by your spirit. We acknowledge his presence, his dwelling presence with us, and we would call on help to reveal to us what you have spoken in your word. Lord, I pray that words of mine that are just mere words of men would fall, fall deaf, that, that, that your people would hear from you today, or that you would encourage them in the situations they're in, and and providentially that we're in this particular part of this particular book on this particular day. We trust in you, Lord, your providence, your providence of guiding all things for your good and right purposes. Every day, Lord, under your sovereign hand. Lord, guide us as we're instruments of your hands 
Use us, Lord, in this area of having concern for others and sharing in the needs of others. So bless this time by your spirit, we would ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If I asked a question to you, if I said, what does it look like for a Christian to bear fruit? I said, be a Christian that bears fruit like pears. Awesome. You know, that's great. There's your picture of fruit back there. What comes to mind? Maybe just like me, pears come to mind. If I said, what comes to mind when you think of bearing fruit? In other words, what does fruit bearing look like in the life of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? And your minds may and rightly jump to thinking of the fruit of the Spirit. That maybe is where you go. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those fruits of the Spirit we find Paul speak of in Galatians. Now, aside from the fact that they are fruits of the Spirit, so the Spirit's work in our lives, they're, they're His fruits, these are good works that God, by His Spirit, is working in us. But is there something else we could say of these fruits? And I think there is, and, and you'll see it relate to today. That many of these fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, all these, many of them are external fruits. They're horizontal fruits. It, it's not a list necessarily of internal fruit for the most part. This is my fruit only. It has an object. Think of love, the fruit of the Spirit, love. Surely not that we love ourselves more, right? It's not love yourself more. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love others. Uh, joy, maybe that's more in the heart, I, you know, but we also exude joy. What about patience? Is that directed towards anybody or, or kindness or goodness or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? They're internal qualities, but they affect people around us Externally, outside, horizontally. Most of these fruits, I would, you could say all of them, they impact the relationships around us. So our Christian life is not meant to be lived in a monastery. There's times we need to get away to a desolate place and pray and those sorts of things. But we live among people. We're not meant to live apart from people, but among people. And it's among people that we bear Christ-like fruit. We can't separate the two. So before us today, in our text, in our class on needs 101, professor, our professor, the Apostle Paul, is going to teach us again about needs. And the lesson today is that Christ-like fruit-bearing looks like being concerned for others. It looks like being concerned for others, for the needs of others. So last week, a little more maybe personal on our own needs, our need to be content no matter the external circumstance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content wherever I am, poor or, or hungry or abounding. Here, it's more we're looking at needs around us, the needs of others around us. Look again then as we head into our text at verse 10 that begins this whole section. Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
And once again, lo and behold, joy returns in this book once again with Paul. I rejoiced in the Lord. And it's not, it's, it's great rejoicing. It's great joy. Megalos, I think is the Greek word. Mega, big joy. And his joy is because it's, there, there's, a, there's a cause here to his joy, and it's the Philippians, that church there, their revived concern, that's what Paul rejoices in. So Paul's joy in the Lord, he rejoices in the Lord, right? Vertical, we think of, but it's not separate from, it's connected to the actions or the concern of others, and in this case, Philippi. He's got joy in the Lord, and my joy is coming from the Lord through, through you in the, in the church. Philip, you Philippians. As we looked at uh, in chapter 2, Epaphroditus was the means, he was the means of delivering this gift of their concern to Paul. But what about this word concern here, where it says, you have revived your concern for me? The word concern, this is quite interesting. It's actually a word we're quite familiar with as we've looked through the book of Philippians. Um, I just typed it in. Look at the base of the word. How many times in Philippians? Ten times. <coughs> Excuse me. Ten times this word is used here in this book alone. Um, in chapter 2, verse 2, if you want to look there. I mean, it's, not a, it's a quick turn to your page over there. There's other places, but in chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says of this, the same kind of Greek word for concern here. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. So there's something with, with thinking and mind so that's the word, it, verse 5 of chapter 2. Paul urges, he says, what? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Same kind of root of concern, mind, thought, thinking, this idea. It, it continues, chapter 3, verse 15. Paul says, you know, think this way. I want someone to think this way. Same, same kind of base word. And if in anything you think otherwise, so there's this thought involved. Or, or chapter 3, verse 19, uh, those with the gods of their bellies, they have their minds set on earthly things. And then as we get into our chapter, even uh, Euodia and Syntyche, he entreats them to, verse uh, 1, or 2, I'm sorry, to agree in the Lord. Almost that, I think it was, right, have the same mind, the same thoughts, that same idea. So, in a book much about the mindset of the Philippians, the thinking, to have the mind of Christ, seek the interests of one another ahead of yourselves as Christ, so here the Philippians are now commended for having a mind towards Paul. That's the other way of saying they're concerned. There's a mind towards him. You might say they have thought towards Paul. And isn't this where concern is rooted for us, it's in our thoughts. I think concern, ultimately, for others comes from having a mind towards others. I mean, if we don't think on anybody, which it's easy to do, just think of ourselves, we don't think, you know, right? The card, thinking of you. What's that saying? I'm concerned. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. That's a wonderful, I mean, to live out that card, right? Or that phrase, thinking of you, too often... We are thinking of ourselves, but concern deals with thinking of others. Well, back in verse 10 then, we find Paul, he agrees. He, he agrees indeed they were concerned, they just lacked an opportunity. 
I believe here the sense is that they had the concern. It was there. It's, it's not like their concern went away. It's just the opportunity was not, the, it wasn't the right time to give until this point. And presumably that's when Epaphroditus traveled from Philippi. We're saying Paul's in Rome, could be other places, prison, but, but we're going with that one. It was an opportunity now to send something to Paul, this gift. There too, in God's sovereign timing, sometimes the resources match the need. There's a need, and we have the, the skill or the time or the resources to meet that need. And other times, we see it and we don't have it. And there's, there's God's sovereign timing in these things. Trust Him for that timing of, of needs and our ability to, to share in those needs. Well, verses 11 through 13... We looked at last week here. Paul goes off on a, a, a wonderful, right, a great little side trail. Just, just to make sure, clarify, just make sure you Philippians understand my joy is not from finally getting your gift. Okay, his contentment's not based on what he has on earth. It's based on, on really who he has in Christ. And then we rejoin. Some of yours just have verse 14 as the... The same paragraph, some separate the paragraphs here. But verse 14, then Paul kind of, he's kind of off on the side and, and now he circles back, comes back to verse 14 that says, and he comes back, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And so though Paul, he's stating here, I, I'm not in need, I'm, I'm content no matter what, he does come back, not, not to discount their concern, okay, to do away with it, but he celebrates it. It was kind of you. He speaks in such a way to the church at Philippi as partners in the gospel. Partners. The word he uses, right, it's kind of them to, to share in my trouble. I think when we speak of Christian fellowship, sharing, same idea. You, you maybe heard that, that Greek word for fellowship, koinonia. You heard that word before, or, or koinos. That's some of the wording going on in here. Even earlier in the book, chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 5, Paul uses this word. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership, koinonia, you're sharing your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So from the beginning, even of this letter, Paul is pointing out, you fellow church, your partners in this gospel. And that partnership here, verse 14, is sharing, koinonia, sharing in Paul's afflictions or troubles. And he commends them. It was kind of you to share in that affliction. Concern for others then brings joy as we share in their affliction. It brings joy to that person as we share in the affliction. Well, as we head into verses 15 and 16, Professor Paul gives a short history lesson. I'm not going to, I don't have a map today uh, of all these places in here, but listen to them uh, of what he speaks of. He says, and you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. Hmm, okay, I'm, we're, right, we're, we're sensitive to those words now. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Geographically, Philippi was part of Macedonia. Uh, Acts 16 calls it a leading city in the district of Macedonia. It was a Roman uh, colony. And so part of Paul's, what's called his Macedonian call to go over, was to first visit a couple cities and then Philippi. So Philippi is part of this, this area of Macedonia. And he traveled there. It's, it's called his second missionary journey. So it would seem Paul planted a church there, Philippi. Then he moves on from the region and moved on. Even as he moves on, it seems to be the Philippians were the ones to engage in a partnership as he moved on. You were the ones. You entered in a partnership. And here again, as I said, we've got that word koinos, fellowship. But we also have within this, this word partnership with me in, do you have it in your text, giving and receiving? Partnership in the giving and receiving. I don't know if this is the first place in this section. I can't remember. But there's an allusion here to commercial business terms. This is, you know, commercial transactions. Receipts, pay, credit, accounts. You'll see that hopefully as we go along here. One resource says it's the language of sharing or partnership is the language of ancient business documents. Even in the Greek, there's another word. We often translate with ideas of speaking or the word, the logos. You ever heard of Jesus as the logos, you know, the word? There's that speaking, the word. But here, it's also got an idea of accounting. So there's a sense in which the church at Philippi is in a, in a business partnership with Paul. They've sent him out. He's there. They're sending. And he's saying, I've received the giving, the receiving of these things. But Walter Hansen helps bring the study from just, this is not a mere business deal. And he says this to what Paul is really showcasing. Here's what what Hansen says. Paul expands and transforms the terms of his partnership with the Philippians so that the financial terms become metaphors for spiritual transactions. It's no mere business deal, even though Paul's using that terminology here. Even verse 16 in Thessalonica, they, Philippians, sent aid once again. I think I think you could literally say twice. They've sent it to him. It's no wonder the church was dear to, to Paul's heart and he would have an affection for them. And it's much the same way that we partners, we have a list of our missionaries in the back and we partner with them for, for spreading the gospel to all the nations to the glory of God. It's even a great time in one way to say thank you for partnering with me that i am able by god's grace to to take part in this because you and i are partners in gospel ministry together with your giving and also by all the other things that go on in our body well walter hansen again i think he helpfully summarizes paul's short walk in history here he says, by informing them of his memory of what they, had, they already know, Paul emphasizes how much he values their support. What you yourselves know, I do not and will never forget. What you did so well, I will always treasure in my memory. Paul remembers this place, their partnership. He's grateful for it. He's thankful. And then again, just like verse 11, he's quick to clarify just, just why he's thankful and joyful. And I think 
this verse 17 is that I think that the heart of some of, of, of what Paul is, is talking about here, what he's saying. Look at verse 17. Look at what he's, he, you know, I'm saying all that, I'm thankful, but it, hold on, let me make sure I clarify, right? Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I don't seek the gift, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Again, the wording, there's a flavor here of commercial transactions where even the end of the verse, the, the fruit increases to their, their credit. Uh, if you're reading from an NASB, maybe others you have, the, actually the word profit increases to your, uh, to your profit. Even the ESV, you've got a note that, that says, well, it could be um, your credit or it could, he could be saying, I seek the profit that accrues to your account. So again, this commercial language in here. But what I think is interesting, Paul is not so much concerned with what they gave. It's not the thing they gave. This is instructive for us in class on needs. That's not what I don't think he's excited about. It's that they gave. He doesn't seek the, the gift, but the fruit that increases to their, their credit. If you go back, his, his prayer in chapter 1, verse 11 is for their love to abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, approving what's excellent, being pure and blameless. And then he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And I think here, chapter 4, we see why Paul rejoices. I think their lives as followers of Christ, they are bearing fruit as they think on, consider, have the mind of Christ to be concerned for others and hear Paul. So concern for others, right, is joy, brings joy, sharing their affliction, but here concern for others is one way we bear gospel fruit. And not only, and, and it's hard to just say, well, it's just their fruit, you know, Paul, what's your meaning? And, and so I think we could see two things here. It's their, I think their fruit in their lives as believers, but we could also add it's bearing fruit as Paul goes out with the gospel. So it bears gospel fruit beyond them. So it's, I'll just go with both. I don't, maybe it's their, their, they're bearing their own fruit. He says, man, I see you growing in Christ-like. You're concerned. You have a mind towards others. This is good fruit. And it's also producing a fruit as I share the gospel in the regions beyond. Today, where our missionaries are at, and, and as we support them, there's a fruit we're bearing that we will never know about. Maybe in eternity we will. As you support individuals, all sorts of things, God is working, bearing fruit, often in ways we, we never, we don't see. But is this credit, this, this profit to their account, just one question here, is, is that earning them salvation? Okay, just to deal with that, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Like, okay, you're here, you're, you're almost saved, a little more credit, a little more coins in the arcade machine, and you'll get there. Is that what Paul's saying? What would Paul say? By no means. Righteousness in this letter comes through faith in Christ alone. But, but to put it in the language of Ephesians 2.10, they, the Philippians, we are God's workmanship. Right? We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The works follow that new creation. They don't merit it. They follow after 
good works, and then it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in these good works, giving, sharing, cheerfully, right? Generously, as Paul's going to write about elsewhere, comes from a work of God begun in us and then is evidence in our lives as we sacrificially give. And the concern and the sharing and the partnering, the giving, it does not come without some sacrifice, does it? Look at Paul's words here in verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Again, the commercial transaction language, I have received full payment. One resource says, I have received, those words I have received, was the most common standard phrase in receipts. Okay, Paul acknowledges their gift in regular business terms. Right here, I've got your receipt. Here it is. I've been paid in full. But again, it's more than just a mere business transaction. Their gifts, their sacrifice, Paul says, are pleasing to God, a fragrant offering. Remember Noah? It was Noah who built an altar after God graciously saved those in the boat from the flood of destruction for mankind's sinfulness. He saved Noah and his family. And Noah built that altar afterwards and it's called a pleasing, God smelled it, it was a pleasing aroma or a fragrant offering. Or we find language elsewhere, I think it's of the, of the Levites and, and the offerings made as they're consecrated to the priesthood. This idea of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And that's what we've got here. Ultimately, Christ is the ultimate example of this sacrifice, isn't he? You can write this down, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, remind us of the ultimate example of Christ. Paul says there, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. And what? He gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we give of ourselves, and I'm not just talking about money, but time, sacrificially, time, resources, whatever it is, our very lives, we are bearing Christ-like fruit as His followers. We're called to it in Ephesians. Be imitators. See how Christ loved. Look at how He was a fragrant offering. You do the same. Well, lastly, I want to come back to Hebrews 13. You can turn there if you, if you would, Hebrews chapter 13, just a little bit to the, to the right of where you're at in Philippians, Hebrews 13, look, verses 15 and 16. Last week, we looked at verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the, from the love of money. Be content with what you have. I'll never leave you or forsake you, God says. That idea, we looked at that. This week, verses 15 and 16 here, find it on my own. They seem, I think they tie up this section, what we've just been in with Paul, in, kind of in a nutshell, as we, as we worship God in Christ, and yet that worship flows out to others. Listen how it's stated here in Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. 
Through Him, that's Jesus, through Him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit, we got sacrifice, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. So here it is, sacrifice of praise. Here's worship, verse 16 then. Do not neglect to do good and to share, lo and behold, koinonia, fellowship, partner, Share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Whether we share our resources, our goods, our money, our time, our skills, we see here and in the Philippians, sacrificial giving is bearing fruit in Christ. One more quote from Walter Hansen today. I want you to hear the last line of it. I'll give you a little context. He says, from a social perspective, he's commenting back in Philippians, from a social perspective, these gifts demonstrated the friendship of the Philippians to amp- by amply supplying all that Paul needed. This friendship idea. From a theological perspective, these gifts demonstrated the faith of the Philippians by pleasing God as true sacrifices. The social act of friendship is a religious act of worship. And we think of that often. We're prone to that. I really worship today because the songs were good, right? Or I, or I felt the certain way or this sort of thing. Worship is beyond that. It's obedience to our Lord. And one of the ways is by having concern for others. An act of worship. Sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. So, concern for others brings, brings joy amidst affliction. Concern for others, is, it's how we bear gospel fruit. And concern for others supplies, for their supplies, it happens via sacrifice for them. Well, next week we're going to finish this little section here, 10 through 20, just looking just, just at the last couple, verses 19 and, and 20, and the glory of God as the one who will supply every need, every need in Christ. But for this week, I want to close by just speaking to two different people here in terms of partnership and all this sort of thing. I want to speak to the giver, the one giving, and then I want to speak to the one receiving. So a little application. Hopefully to the giver, those saying, I need to give, I'm convicted to give, or I've got my time, or I've got this or that. How do I sacrificially give? Hopefully we see through this passage the joy it brought Paul to have their partnership in giving. That giving, it is one way of bearing gospel fruit. Not that those that we give to necessarily need the gift. Right? It's not, it's not about that. It's the act of sharing. It's giving And we live out in that giving the example as Christ died for sinners on the cross. We live that out. And we also seek, in terms of missionaries, gospel fruit as we give towards gospel work around the world or in our area, wherever it is. So concern for others, it involves sacrifices. Hopefully they're cheerful, right? But they're sacrifice. I was going to do this with that money. I, I had I was looking forward to my day off. Whatever it is, right? There's usually right needs don't come up and we go. I plan that in my schedule. It'll work. They come up at, at to us in opportune times, but.
then again, God opens a door. We need His leading by His Spirit for these things and then to sacrifice, to think, think on others more than ourselves. That's to the giver. Now, to the receiver. Just to the receiver. And maybe I think we can see this from Paul here. I want to add a word to those on the receiving end of, of gifts and sharing. Can I encourage you all to allow others to share with you? That's what I'm asking. I think I can speak for many of us, including myself, that when someone offers help to us, what do we tend to say? Hey, do you need help with that? What do we most often, maybe guys, I don't know, are we all guilty of this? Do you need a hand? No, right? I got this. I, I can do this. You look like you need a hand with that. You need something or can I help you? Do you need anything? I'm fine, right? It's how we, it's how we answer. I can handle it. I just want to caution you and myself to not inhibit the one who wants to share with you. Okay, we think of it as we're being a burden on their lives. I don't think it's that way. They want to bear fruit in their lives, and it's through sharing. Certainly, Paul could have returned the gift. Epaphras comes, no, I didn't want them to give. Just turn around, Epaphras, ride, I don't know, probably walked, right, on a donkey. Walk back to Philippi, I don't need it. He didn't do that. He was glad to receive their gift, but he was glad because he saw them bearing Christ-like fruit in sharing and partnering in the gospel. I want to encourage you, seek, especially in our land and culture, and it's, it's probably, it's Wisconsin, it's Minnesota, I don't know if it's Midwest, whatever it is, we just, we're just prone to say, I can do this. And, and in time, there's certain times where we rob that, that joy of giving from others. Uh, my family, we had a family reunion a couple of years ago down in Kansas, and one of my uncles, Uncle Virgil, he and his family would often uh, go to a grocery store. They had a larger family and give every kid, I think it was a dollar at the time, here's a dollar, go into the grocery store, see what you can find for a dollar. All you kids, buy it. Bring it back out of the store and we'll pull it together and we'll eat just whatever shows up. Did any of you do that? It's a great pastime. It's very fun. Let's try it for lunch today. Well, we were on a family reunion in Kansas and all the family, it was one of our activities was all the family... Uncle Virgil gave us all like $3. It, it, it price had increased, right? We all got $3. All of us, I think all of our kids were with us and we did this. Go into the grocery store, find $3. Now, one of the hidden tricks of this whole deal, which I didn't quite follow closely, is you try to get it right at $3. If you buy just, just the right amount, you know, you get a little, maybe a little sucker and a little 10 cents here just so that the register just says $3. You know, if you get it just right, like that's a step above in this whole croaker. It's not a competition, but, you know, bring it all together. Well, my Uncle Dean, long story, my Uncle Dean, he's not poor. He has a job, good job. I think he's vice president now at a, at a college. He's going through the line at the grocery store, and, you know, the clerk is ringing up, and, and it's, it was over. I don't know if it was $3.10 or something like that, and he's going, I don't have the money, right? I don't have the money. I've just got $3. That's all I can pay. Someone else in line says, I got it for you. I'll, I'll cover that. I don't know if he, I think he covered the whole amount. He probably thought, man, that guy can't even get $3. I'll just pay for it all for him. Here's why I even remember that story. 
Because Uncle Dean, he could have said, what could he have said? No, we're just playing a game. It's, you know, there's what we're doing. He said, I don't want to deprive that gentleman of that blessing, of sharing with me. It's a powerful lesson that I remembered. Hopefully you remember that. Don't rob somebody of sharing with you in that way. The temptation there, like I said, it's to feel like we're being a burden on others if we accept their gift. I I don't think so. We're allowing them to bear fruit. Maybe we need to say that more often. You're bearing fruit. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. May each of us grow, whether you're giver, receiver, grow by God's Spirit in bearing that gospel fruit amongst one another as they did in the early church. They shared the needs of one another. Well, let me pray for us. Father, we need help on both ends of this, of this spectrum. So we call on you here as we, as we conclude this, this sermon and this time in your word. Lord, none of this giving and sharing is particularly easy. Maybe there's some, it's just, it's easier to give. We get a big, big response, big hug. Some we give and we get no response. Lord, it's not about the response. It's about being obedient and sharing and fellowship. Help us to be a church of fellowship. Lord, you've begun a good work here. A church supporting missions around the world, supporting my family and I, supporting needs as they come up. Lord, just grow us in that. Grow us as a church to fellowship and share with one another when we see needs. May we be sensitive to your spirit. May we be willing to sacrifice when we had something else we were going to get to. So hard, Lord. Help us to see the opportunities right in front of us and capitalize on them. And then, Lord, as we receive, as we're on the receiving end, may we joyfully welcome those that want to bear some fruit. Maybe they're literally bringing fruit to our door. Lord, spiritually, they're bearing fruit. May we welcome them as well and not deprive them of that blessing in the same way. Father, just thank you for your word. Please move in us to honor you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.